Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Listen, y'all turn with me to Ezekiel 37, please. Ezekiel 37, you're like, John, they praise and worship went long. You sure you don't want to go ahead and get us to Cracker Barrel? No, I do not. I am not carrying this another week. It's to birth this baby. All right. Ezekiel 37. I think somebody can testify to these, these few words right here. The Lord took hold of me, <laughs> and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Can these bones live? Ezekiel, being the wise man that he was, said, Lord, only you know that. And he said to me, the Lord said to Ezekiel, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. And I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. And I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. Father, we thank you for who you are and for um, what you've done among us and in us today. Lord, we just say more. Just keep going keep going, Lord, because we need you more than we need life itself. Because without you, there is no life. Lord, we humble ourselves before you now. We can't do anything without you, though I've preached hundreds of times. Just because I've done it before doesn't mean I know how to do it, and I sure wouldn't want to try it without you. So, Lord, I just pray that when I open my mouth, that you fill my mouth with your words, that when they hear my voice, that they hear your voice inside it, overriding it. May we hear your word today. And, Lord, that now that we've humbled ourselves before you, the book of James says we can humble ourselves before you and then resist the devil, and he has to flee. And so, Lord, we are in, we are in prime position, humbled before you, to declare that the enemy is not welcome here, that he is bound, that none of his schemes and devices, none of the, none of the spirits that he has uh, dispatched to this service is, is, uh, is going to be effective in stopping the word. That it's not, we, we just bind up fear and we bind up confusion and we bind up pride, Lord, and we just loose your Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our, not just in our hearts, but in our minds today. We pray that you break strongholds with your word, just as you already have through your spirit. We just thank you and praise you for what you're doing in us and among us, and for what you're about to release in us, Lord, the healing that is about to be released in our lives through your word, through your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're continuing 
the series that we started last week called Hydrate. Rehydrate, sorry, rehydrate. And as your pastor, I believe that many of us are suffering from what we just read in the, from the prophet Ezekiel, that we're suffering from dry bones. That the life and the strength and the passion and the energy that many of us have for life and for kingdom work has been drained out of us. And now we're lying scattered across the valley, separated from God and separated from each other. And it may, it may seem like sometimes we're behind a glass watching what's going on in other people's lives. And some of you feel that this morning, you don't have to say anything, but, but as you watched God move powerfully in the lives of other people, did you feel like you were just on the outside looking in, like you're looking through an aquarium? That's what happens when your bones are dry. And so I, I just want to make sure that we understand that, that there's hope today, that there is healing today. Okay, You do not have to live life that way, and that is not God's plan for your life. You are not destined to continue to walk the way you've been walking. Just because you're, you've been in this season, it doesn't mean that seasons cannot and will not and are not changing today. So today we're going to talk about a very sensitive but a very important topic. And I'm going to say everything I need to say about it because there ain't going to be a part two. Because if there was a part two, y'all wouldn't come. So I'm going to say it all right now, okay? If you need to steal, if you need to steal goldfish from the baby around you, you do what you got to do to get through today, okay? All right? I know this is an issue for many of you, not just because I've sensed the Lord, and this has been coming for a while, y'all. So I've sensed the Lord leading up to this, but I also have talked to many of you, and I know many of your stories, and I also know my own story and my own experience. And so that's why we're going to deal with this today. We're going to get into it in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. We've been, the Lord's had us parked here for like two or three months, okay? Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility, verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, and to build up the church, the body of Christ. It is the job, it is the spiritual responsibility of church leaders, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists to equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. From the previous series that we had called On Mission, we learned what ministry means, and ministry simply means serving others. We also learned what equipping means. And equipping means mending and repairing and restoring. So the call of God on church leaders is to heal the hurts of the body so that the body can, in turn, go out and serve the needs of those around them. Sharing the gospel, going and making disciples of people. It's a powerful system of multiplication that God established. That's what this series is really all about at, at its essence. So here's the big question today. What happens when the ones that God has called to heal the body are the ones who are hurting the body? We're going to talk about church hurt today. Church hurt will absolutely dehydrate your bones. There's hundreds of thousands of people in this country and probably around the world who either are no longer churched 
or they're just going to they're just showing up and occupying space in churches all over the country disengaged separated and lifeless church hurt and, and and there's lots of ways to get hurt in churches okay there's there's mean folks everywhere all right so but but especially being hurt by a pastor is a is a spiritual epidemic that has left many many people dehydrated but we're not going to just talk about what may have caused your bones to be dry but we're going to commit to a plan to get rehydrated today okay so first of all it's absolutely abundantly clear in the word of god that god has very high expectations for those who hold leadership positions in the body of christ those who would endeavor to be shepherds why is that because the sheep belong to god the sheep belong to god they're his sheep they don't belong to the pastor you don't belong to me i am the under shepherd just trying to do my best to serve the good shepherd, the real shepherd, which is Jesus. And I am responsible to him about how I treat you, his sheep. I don't know if you know this, but he's very protective of you. You're very valuable to him. And I want to make this point clear because we just don't talk about it enough. Every sheep is important to Jesus. Every sheep. See, and, and I, feel, I feel obligated to say that, compelled even to say that, because there are some paradigms of church leadership that look at people as, uh, as a product. They look at people as disposable. They look at people as expendable, as a means to an end. And if somebody gets hurt or gets mad or gets lost, it's no big deal. You just replace them. But let me tell you something. That's not the heart of a shepherd, no shepherd's perfect, okay? And some sheep just refuse to be led, right? So I'm not, this is not an absolute for everything, but, but if all you need to do is fill your slots, if you're just using people to further your agenda, if the individual sheep don't matter, that's not the heart of a pastor. That's the heart of a trafficker. Jesus said, good shepherds, leave the 99 in the flock to go find that one lost lamb that's wandered off because that lamb is just as valuable as the other 99. He, the, the shepherd didn't just go to town and buy another sheep. He went after the one that was lost because the sheep matter. Look at what Paul said to the, the, the apostle Paul said to the Ephesian church, uh, before he was leaving, he was going to leave him for the last time. He knew he was going to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested, and would eventually be martyred for his faith. In, in Acts 20 and 28, it says, So guard yourselves and guard God's people. He's talking to the leaders of the church. Feed and shepherd God's flock. Now look at this. His church. God's flock is his church. Purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you elders. You see how important you are to God? You are God's flock, his blood-bought church, purchased with the blood of Jesus. Do you think he doesn't notice when somebody mistreats a member of his flock? You're important to him. One of the things I love most about the Bible is that it's not just full of pretty pictures and happily ever after stories. It's real and it's gritty 
And it's the good and the bad and the ugly. And there are many, many, unfortunately, many examples of spiritual leaders doing things that bring harm to God's people. Many accounts through the Word. As a matter of fact, there's way too many to talk about all of them, and there's way too many to even read each passage. So I'm going to give you the reference, and you can go back and look them up, okay? These are are just a few of the things that so-called leaders perpetrated against the church. In 1 Samuel, the sons of Eli the priest were stealing the offerings and seducing the women who came to worship. And the priest, Eli, made no effort to stop them or to protect the people. Ezekiel 22 speaks of priests who defiled the temple and prophets who covered up for them by, by speaking a word that claimed, they claimed to have come from God, but God said, I didn't say nothing to them. Ezekiel 33 is about watchmen who are aware of the enemy's activities but refuse to sound the alarm. Ezekiel 34 describes shepherds who don't care about the sheep. They exploit their position to enrich themselves, but they do nothing to protect or care for the sheep, for those who are hurt or who are lost. They, they are harsh and cruel taskmasters with no love for those that they lead. In the New Testament, in Acts 20, Paul speaks in this passage we just read, he speaks to the Ephesian church about false teachers that will come at, at like vicious wolves to tear up the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul sarcastically refers to the super apostles who seem more about building their own profile and their own following and their own kingdom than building the kingdom of Jesus. And we could just go on and on. Many of these kinds of behaviors are still prevalent in church leadership today and many of those kinds of behaviors are what caused you to be harmed. Now I want to add this before we pivot to the solutions to to rehydrate our bones. Church hurt is a very, very generic term for a whole lot of stuff, okay? There's a whole continuum continuum of things that uh, that might have caused you to be hurt. Not all church hurt is the same, okay? So sometimes it's just the result of human failings, but sometimes it's a systemic and intentional issue. Some church hurt is a disagreement about a decision, right? But some might have been a planned and personal betrayal, It might have been sexual misconduct perpetrated against you or someone you love. Or it might have been a pattern of manipulation and abuse and bullying people through threats and intimidation. At a certain level, church hurt becomes spiritual abuse. Okay? It's one of the fastest growing segments of Christian counseling and and therapy. It is helping people who've been victimized by someone in spiritual authority. If your church hurt has risen to the level that it's interfering with your life on a daily basis, then you need to get the help that you need, okay? And I'd be happy with, to help you with some recommendations. You just let me know, all right? So, so what, do, what do we do, John? My bones are dehydrated from church hurt. What am I going to do about it? How do I get my bones rehydrated? Well, I want to suggest a four-step process today, four steps. I don't think they have to be done in order. But I do think they all have to be done. And as a matter of fact, most of them, some, you're probably going to have to do them over and over again as you work through it. Because it typically comes in layers, right? Anybody ever been healed of anything knows it comes in layers, right? 
All right, y'all help me here. So depending on how severe it is, some of you may be able to work through your hurt quickly. Some of you, it might take a few times. It may take some, some time. It's fine. It, it's, it's, it's a clear sort of therapeutic process, but it only works when it's saturated in prayer and under the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So here's the first step. These are just four one-word instructions. Deal is the first one. Deal. Someone said time heals all wounds. Someone lied. They were wrong. It does take time to deal with your pain. But time itself won't do it. It takes intention. You have to decide to deal with your pain. Dealing with it means working through it. Not sitting in it, but working through it. Not just putting a band-aid on it. Don't just gloss over it. Don't minimize it. Don't just dust yourself off and keep walking like nothing happened. Don't just seek to feel better. Actually get better. Okay? Most of the times that I've faced church hurt, and it's been many, many, many times, I've, typically what I've done is stuff my feelings and deny my pain. Take it from me. That's really dumb. It's dumb. It's not going to work because pain doesn't evaporate. It just relocates. It will come out eventually. It works best if you deal with it at a time and a place of your choosing and not just when it reaches its maximum capacity in your life. And I, unfortunately, I have found that there is a capacity for the amount of pain that you can just swallow and ignore. Okay? Dealing with it means that when you talk about it, you're, you're talking about it with the intention of learning and healing and working through it. Now, this is going to sound harsh, but it's something the Lord spoke to me 25 years ago, probably, as I was dealing with my first real major church hurt experience as an adult. If you're not ready to deal with it, you need to stop talking about it. Until you're ready to deal with it, don't talk about it. Why? Because at the very least, all you're doing is re-traumatizing yourself. You're just reliving it. You're getting all. You're getting worked up again. You're getting mad again. Your blood pressure getting out of control again. That's no. That's no good for anybody. And that's at the least. At the worst, you drift into gossip and slander and character assassination. You have to be really honest. Even though you are the one who was hurt, you have to be really honest with yourself about your motives. You're in a really dangerous and vulnerable place. You have to be honest with yourself about what's going on. Remember, no matter how wrong they were, that pastor is, or that person in that church is one of God's sheep too. And you wronging them doesn't make you more right. So when you decide to deal with it, it has to be about healing you, not fixing them. I'm going to say that again because I needed to hear that again about 25 years ago. It, it, when you decide to deal with it, you, it's, about fi- it's about healing you, not fixing them. All right? What you may find is that the thing or the things that hurt you are connected to deeper wounds from your past. Because they do, life does tend to dogpile you. Problems do not take turns. They don't line up neatly and quietly. They jump all on you all at the same time, right? I, I, was, I was bullied as a child, 
physically and psychologically by kids at school. And while, while I've, but I've only recently realized that the person who is responsible for most of the spiritual abuse that I've experienced fits the profile of the people who used to bully me. Okay? Um, that previous experience amplified the effects of the spiritual abuse in my life. You say, well, John, what'd you do? I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I'm following the same plan, right? I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing the same four steps, okay? But I've got to deal with that because I see the effects are still in my life. You're still twitchy and jumpy about some stuff. You better deal with it, okay? All right, so when, when you say you're going to deal with it, be ready to deal with the roots as well. And as a side note... What drove your pastor or whoever it was to do whatever it was that hurt you may very well be rooted in his past as well. He may just be doing what he knows to do or what he's seen or what's been done to him. The cycle tends to repeat itself until somebody steps up to break it intentionally. Okay? Nobody accidentally drifts into healing. You don't just like wake up one day and go, oh, I just feel much better. That's not how that works. You make the decision to deal with this church hurt so you can get your bones connected and, 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 and rehydrated again. Okay? Here's the second step. First one's deal. Second one's feel. Feel. Men, say with me. <laughs> feel. It's called church hurt. If it hurt, there is pain associated. By definition. So quit denying it and quit avoiding it because, and, and, and go ahead and feel the pain. If you, can't, you can't get healed if you don't identify all the places that are hurting. You don't want to feel it because you think feeling it will make it real. Guess what? It's already real. It's already real. It's having a real effect on your relationship with Jesus and quite, quite possibly on your life, on your church, and on everybody around you. It's time to deal with the problem and you have to deal with it by feeling it. So go find a mature and trusted Christian. Listen, don't, please don't dump your church hurt on somebody that got saved like six weeks ago. They might be nice, but they ain't ready for this. Find a mature, trusted friend or a trained counselor or a pastor that you, that you do trust and tell them everything. Don't leave anything out. Get it all out. Not just what happened, but how it made you feel. What it's done to you, what it may still be doing to you. Don't just say, because I know how men are, don't just say, and that hurt. Don't, don't say, and that made me mad. Like, keep drilling down to the root of the problem. Are you feeling betrayed? Are you, do you feel deceived? Are you disappointed in them, in yourself? Are you confused? Are you guilty? There's a lot of guilt, especially in situations of spiritual abuse, because narcissistic leaders are masters at making victims feel like it was their fault. So they're still fine. Your, your life's turned upside down, and somehow you think it's your fault. 
So I should have seen it sooner. I should have left sooner. I should have said something. I should have done something. The fact that you got all of that stuff still present in your mind and in your heart is evidence that you still have to heal. You still got places that need to be healed. Part of what makes church hurt so hard is that it's so personal. Now, please don't, please don't miss these next three minutes. And it's hard and personal because it involves people that you had placed your trust in. I want to show you what King David said in, in Psalm 55. Uh, he said, it's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it's you, my equal, my companion, my close friend. What good fellowship we enjoyed as we walked together to the house of the Lord. That's church hurt, boys and girls. It's difficult when friends seem to become enemies and you're betrayed by those who are closest to you. Right? A whole group of people that you once considered family now won't speak to you. Treat you like you're the enemy. Right? In the times of my life that I've experienced church hurt or spiritual abuse, the hardest part for me is not the bad memories. It's not the blow up. It's not the thing. The hardest part is the good memories. Don't miss this. We shared powerful spiritual experiences together. Our lives were woven together for a time. It might have been easier if they were always the villain in all my stories, but sometimes they were the hero. Sometimes they were the friend that showed up when I needed them most in a moment of weakness. And I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to process that. Does that make sense? You don't know what box to put those people in. You don't know what box to put those events in. It's, it's emotionally complicated. You, you have to choose to deal with the hurt and you have to choose to feel everything no matter how complicated it is or how, power, how painful it is or really how ambiguous it is. You just have to feel it. Here's the next thing. You have to heal. You have to heal. You have to get out of that abusive situation. When you recognize that you are being spiritually abused, when you recognize that there are things going on that are causing harm to you and your family, you've got to get out. I don't care if granny's buried in the cemetery. I'm not trying to make fun. I'm telling you, their people stayed in harmful situations because they had somebody buried in the cemetery. Get the living and get out. And get somewhere safe. Find a safe haven for your soul to heal. However, that does not mean you stay at home and lick your wounds. Why? Two reasons. One, we are biologically wired for connection. We need other human beings in our lives. We need other human beings in order to heal. You cannot heal by yourself. James 5 talks about the connection between healing and sharing with your community of faith. You need, uh, you need people around you to help you heal. When you're wounded, though, everything looks like a threat, right? 
Everybody looks suspicious. Everything looks like a trap. Everything feels like a trigger. That's what keeps your bones not just dry, but disconnected and scattered all over the valley. So the first thing, why can't I stay at home and heal there? First thing, you need people. And secondly, there is a legitimate purpose that a pastor serves in your life. I want to show this to you. Hebrews 13 and 17, he says, the writer of Hebrews says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they're accountable to God. So give them reason to do it with joy and not with sorrow. Because that would not be for your benefit. A pastor is tasked with watching over your soul. Don't trust yourself to do it especially in your wounded condition. Find an Ephesians 4 kind of pastor who will mend and repair and restore your soul. And here's how to find one. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. In the NIV, this is what Paul said. He said, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. If you are suffering and have been suffering from church hurt, don't just go look for a preacher. Don't just go look for a teacher. Look for a father. Look for a father. I tell you what, I I ain't much of a fighter, probably. I really ain't never been in a fight. So we just have to wait and see, won't we? But I tell you this, you come after my kids... I'm, you either going to leave or I'm going to die. That's the only two things that going to happen. Okay? That's just it, because I'm a father. Quite honestly, I father a lot of people who don't really belong to me, but that's just the way I am. Okay? So I'll die for a lot of y'all. But I can only do it once, so make it count, y'all. Okay? It's not a form of entertainment. Hey, we're going to see if John get beat up again. All right? Don't, don't just look for a preacher or a teacher. Look for a father. Look for humility. Look for integrity. Look for stability. Look for a depth of character that's not just in the the person, but reflected in the people of the church. You should be able to tell when you walk in a church of mature people. Don't go looking for the best or the most charismatic preacher you've ever heard. Because I I, I know this this is a shock to American ears, but gifting is overrated. Talent is overrated. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 13 says, Giftedness without God's love for the people is dangerous. Look for a spiritual leader who loves God, who loves people, who preaches the truth, who lives what they preach, and will watch over your soul. You need a safe harbor to heal. Now, under the cover of a spiritual father... You can take the difficult but necessary step of forgiving and releasing the person or people who hurt you. There is no healing without this step. There's just not. The support of a leader with compassion and integrity should give you the courage to forgive the one who had neither. You have to forgive them for what they did, whether it was intentional or not. Do you think if you stay mad long enough, it's going to change what happened? 
your unforgiveness has no effect on them. They actually probably don't even know you're mad. But your anger and your bitterness has kept you locked in prison. Forgive them for the pain and for the hurt and let them go. You've seen the scripture. We've already read it. Pastors will give an account to God for how they've watched over your soul. God will deal with them. But you've got to let it go. Because it's not changing them and it's drying out your bones. And then here's the last step. Zeal. Zeal. You cannot allow yourself to stay hurt. You can't even allow yourself to stay in the healing process. Y'all know people have been in the healing process for 17 years? Like, jeez, how bad was that thing that hurt you? Moving through it means that eventually you wind up on the other side, on, in a healthier place. Hopelessness dries out your bones. That's what Ezekiel 37 says in verse 11. Allow yourself the chance to hope for a better day. Allow yourself the chance to be excited and committed and passionate about a church again, about a pastor again, about the kingdom of God again. And listen, follower of Jesus, it's really not optional. You have to recapture your zeal for the kingdom of God. If you allow yourself to stay stuck in the pain, you're actually allowing pride to dominate your life instead of faith. You're like, wait a minute, I'm the victim here. Hang on, think about it. You've been given gifts and talents and resources and connections that only you have. And they've been given to you for the benefit of the body of Christ, for the advancement of his kingdom. If you keep those things to yourself because you're hurt, or if you allow those things to go unused because you're numb and because you're, just, you're, you're, still, you're, you're still in pain, then you're prioritizing yourself and your feelings over the needs of the kingdom. Somebody needs what God put in you. And if you don't allow somebody to have it, then that's pride, even in your pain. So have the faith that God will lead you and guide you to the right place. Have the faith that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you even when you feel weak. Have the faith that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Have the faith to believe in the power of Jesus to heal and restore that it's greater than any power that anybody else has to hurt you. Come humbly before the Lord and submit yourself to His hand. Allow Him to deploy you back onto the battlefield again. To get back on mission again. To reignite the gifts that the Spirit has placed in you and on you. You'll be surprised at how rehydrating it is to feel the zeal of the Lord rise up in you again. So you have to deal and feel and heal you got to find your zeal. Take those four steps. Again, you'll have to do it over and over again. And even if you get healed of everything that's ever hurt you, tomorrow is another day. Right? It's not the last time you're going to get hurt. And it's not just about church hurt. This works in grief. It works in other relationships as well. The same process 
will help you heal from the hurt of whatever it is that's hurt you, but you have to work the process. But listen to me. It's worth it. It's worth it. Pain is bondage. Healing is freedom. Don't you want to be free? When I first experienced church hurt as an adult, um, because I was born in the church, like on the third row, it was a mess. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, um, but I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I don't know anything but church. I just started in ministry, first ministry position. And when I left that, that pastor, because people don't really leave churches, they leave pastors. They leave people. People leave people. They don't leave places. So I left that pastor and I left that church. I was crushed. Um, I wanted to go hide in a church that didn't know me and didn't need me. Because I was done. I was like, not even five years in, I was done. But God didn't let me do that. A few years later, after learning some tough lessons, some spiritual lessons, and some tough lessons about myself, um, I called and made an appointment with that pastor. I've got no idea what he was thinking I was coming to do. <laughs> but we sat down and I said, you know what, I am, um, let me tell you everything that you meant to me. And everything that you taught me. And everything that I'm using in ministry now that I learned from you. And then we got to the end of it and I said, let me, let me just say, if I can say this without digging up every old bone and without, without rehashing every detail of everything, I just want to tell you I'm sorry for the part that I played in the way this ended. And he said, John, there's hardly a, a week goes by that I don't think about you and I don't, I don't think about that, so the situation, and I don't regret the way it ended. And I, I just keep wondering how we could have done it different. I keep thinking about what it might have been like if we'd have stayed together and all the ministry we could have done together. And he said, I just want you to know I'm proud of you and Valerie and the work that you're doing. All right? Now, we ain't besties, right? We, I mean, but... But we still, we do weddings and funerals together. We see each other at Walmart or whatever. And we're good. We're cool. I wish him nothing but the best. It's been that way for a long time. But we didn't have to rehash every detail. Neither of us took full responsibility for everything. Okay? We just cleared the air. And we prioritized the relationship over being right. And once you do that, then you can, you can start healing. But as long as that thing's open, it's hard to do that. Hard to heal. So listen, that might not be the path for you. That might not even be safe for you depending on the situation. And that's fine. I'm just telling you how it worked for me. But reconciliation takes two humble people. But forgiveness and release, you can do that by yourself. And you have to. According to Jesus, you have to forgive others if you want your sins forgiven. That's in more than one place in the Gospels. And, I, and as I've told you, I've realized in working on this message, I've still got some things to heal from. i got to go back through the steps myself. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. You can be healed. Your, let me answer the question that God asked Ezekiel. Can your bones live again? Yes. They can. Your dreams.
dry bones can live again. You can be free again. You can be free to worship. You can be free to serve. You can be free to fellowship. You can be free to be honest and vulnerable again. You can be free to be intimate with God again. God's given you a mission. He's given you ministry that you need to do, but you have to get healed first. Okay? Today is the day that you can start. Because all healing comes from God. So ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you to a place of freedom and peace. Y'all stand with me, please. message has been coming for a long time and a lot of you have been dealing with a lot of things for a long time and I don't um, I'm not discounting the pain that you've experienced or the, the hurt that you felt or the, I, and I'm not even judging what you've done to deal with what you've been through that ain't really none of my business I'm simply here today on behalf of the Lord to say it's time to get healed can, you should, and it's time to get healed, okay? But you are going to have to do it, and you're going to have to own the process, and you're going to have to drive, and you're going to have to make sure that you do it. A few years ago, dealing with some hurt from some other situations, I don't know if y'all noticed, but life's hard, okay? Lots of ways to get hurt, dealing with some other hurt, and fortunately, my wife said, oh, you're going to deal with this today. Y'all got a spouse like that? She gave me my little laptop at the time, and she gave me a glass of water, and she said, go in there and don't come out till you get this done. And I said, as every good husband says, yes, ma'am. Okay? So you do have to drive it and own it, but you, you might have some help if you got one of those kind of spouses. All right? But you got to do it. If you would like to come to the altar and pray, um, please do that. Do I believe in the power of the Lord to heal you in a moment? Absolutely. And that might be what he has for you. But even if he doesn't do it in a moment, you need strength for the journey. Okay? Because the, the hard stuff, you just want to quit. You just don't want to. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to relive it. You don't want to go back there. You don't want to feel all the things. That's the plan. That's the process. Okay. So if you want strength for the journey, let's come and, and we'll pray about it together. Okay. But if you've got anything else going on in your life, any other need, any other issue, you can always come and pray about that at any point. Okay. So we're going to pray. We're going to sing a song, and then if you come, you come to the altar. You can stay as long as you want to. Okay. And we'll be dismissed together in just a minute. You've been very, very patient. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would draw every person to this altar that needs to come. You know what your plan is for them, and you know who they are and how they deal and how they process. So, Lord, if you've got, if you've got something for them in this altar, I pray that you draw them and give them the strength and the courage to come. And, Lord, I know that when they do, you're going to meet them in this place at this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.